Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Kuhn. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the Easy Bake Oven. Like a boss. The best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's Gabe time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Kuhn Show. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome in to another fine, fine edition of the Gabe Kuhn Show. See Sparky Pfeiffer filling in for Gabe Kuhn today. Uh, I haven't said this all week, and we're already at Thursday. But can I just say that offensive linemen usually make the best guys in the media. Nine out of every ten offensive linemen, having done radio for, well, how long have I been in radio for? 1994, I guess. Uh, Anytime you have an opportunity to have an offensive lineman on to say do an interview with current players or retired offensive linemen that come on to do guest hosting or whatever else, they're always the best. They always are smart, funny, witty, like offensive linemen. That's where it's at, man. And I'm sure, you know, Gabe Kuhn doesn't want to brag about that type of stuff, but it's true, man, Connor. You, you got to appreciate the offensive linemen for how good they truly are. They should get rid of some of those dudes on ESPN TV and, and put guys like Gabe Kuhn on TV instead. Uh, no, I agree. I, I brag on Gabe constantly because I think with offensive linemen and, def- and defensive linemen, to be quite honest, I think people underestimate how just crazy smart you have to be to play that position and how in tune with the game you have to be in every moment and every single thing that goes on. The way that Gabe talks about football, it is like I've always described it as uh, have, have you seen the Pixar movie Soul? Uh, I fell asleep three times. Oh, okay. Well, there's a moment in it where people get put into this thing called the zone where they're just they're doing what they were put on this earth to do and they're nailing it and they are in this zone in a way to where everything they're doing is basically perfect. And that is what it's like watching Gabe talk about football. Watching him cook is some of the best parts of my day. I hype him up as much as I possibly can because it's like he'll just start naming off like the South Dakota State third string left tackle. And I'm like, how in the hell do you know that? It's it's remarkable sometimes to watch him work. That's a problem, I feel like. Nobody should know that. Nobody should know that. I don't see how that serves anybody any good. (laughs) Third third string offensive lineman of South Dakota State. Uh, But either way, uh, I I go here and I bring this up for a reason. Because we had Ross Tucker on this show uh, earlier in the week, our Odyssey NFL insider. And, of course, you know, he played college football, played at the NFL level uh, as an offensive lineman. And I love Ross Tucker. He, He is one of my favorite people uh, that I've had a chance to, to get to know over the course of the years and have on the radio and so forth. So I always like having Ross Tucker on. But I brought up to Ross Tucker this whole idea of the Titans kind of being in purgatory at this point where they're not good enough to win a Super Bowl and they're not going to be bad enough to get one of those top-flight quarterbacks. And Tannehill being that guy, maybe it's better off just to kind of get rid of Tannehill at the deadline, let some of these younger guys play whoever you decide to go with uh, between the two young quarterbacks you have. Uh, And then if you stink, you stink. So what? You get yourself in a better position to get a better quarterback and so forth. Uh, And that brought up the whole purgatory thing and how fans look at it. And this is what Ross Tucker had to say. But I, you know, to me, I think this is interesting where we kind of are in society. You know, there's a belief that it's like Super Bowl or nothing. Right. And I guess, I sort of reject that idea because I think winning winning games matters. 
I think winning divisions matters. Hosting home playoff games matters. Giving yourself a chance and meaningful games in January. I think that. Ma- I mean, if all that matters is is going to the Super Bowl and winning it, if that's the only goal. Well, then I mean, I feel like a bunch of teams shouldn't even play every year. I mean, unless you have like Mahomes or uh, Josh Allen or Joe Burrow or this ridiculous Eagles roster or the ridiculous Niners roster, I mean, good luck. And I just think I, I, I don't like that mentality, but that's the way we are. I think the NBA has kind of created that where it's like you either win the whole thing or you're nothing. I, I don't believe that. You know, in college football, does everybody want to make the college football playoff? Yeah, for sure. But if you win your conference, if you go to a big bowl game, you win – I mean, that, that's still a great season. There, there can only be one – that wins the whole thing. And as he was saying that, I was shaking my head uh, because we don't agree or see eye to eye. But that statement, that sentiment from him is probably the most popular sentiment you'll get from anybody that's played at that level. Guaranteed, every time I bring this up with a former player, I always get uh, a response along those lines of, it's not always about winning a national championship. It's not always about uh, winning a World Series or a Super Bowl or an NBA title. There's other smaller things that you can win along the way that also uh, can kind of make you happy or make it a success, right? That's kind of what it's all about. Why did I play that today? Because these comments came out on Tuesday, and we missed it yesterday, but I, I want to talk about it. Jerry Depoto, who used to be with the Angels uh, as general manager in baseball uh, and now is the general manager of the Seattle Mariners. Now, this is a guy... In Depoto, who is very numbers-driven, very analytical, like all of baseball is, right? A lot of these guys are all advanced uh, analytics and stats and numbers and so forth. That's how it kind of goes. So he made this comment, uh, and it kind of blew up uh, in the media. Our job is to think more broadly, he said Tuesday. We're looking at a 6- to 10-year window. When I talk about sustainability, I can't tell you. Uh, that you're going to win the World Series. I can tell you that if we win 54% of our games over the course of a decade, you're going to play in a World Series. Teams that do those things get in the World Series. Now, uh, and that is true in the wildcard era. It is true in the divisional format dating back to 1969. You've got, I think, an 85 or 90% chance of reaching a World Series if you make that your goal. If we make winning the World Series your goal, we will do insane things that will cut the uh, sustainability part of the project short. That's not how we think. End quote. To which, as you could well imagine, most fans lost their minds. So 50% is you win as many as you lose. That, that's 50%, right? So 81 and 81 in a baseball season. That's what we're talking about. So there's not that many more wins over 81 that you're asking your team to do over the course of a decade. And the idea of sustained success, I love it. It's a great concept, right? If I can go to the playoffs five of every six years, what fan base wouldn't be happy? Well, let me tell you. You can go to the playoffs five of every six years, and if you keep getting booted out in the first or the second round, and you can't finish, that fan base is going to ask you to do more to put yourself in a position to win a championship. The first year you go, if you haven't been there in a long time, it's going to be a big deal, right? People are going to be partying, not going to care what happens. The second year you go, okay, now there's going to be some expectations. By the fifth time you go in six years, it's going to be you better figure out how to get to the World Series or the Super Bowl or whatever it is. Because as fans... Just like organizations, I think, maybe I'm wrong. The goal is to win a championship and figure out how to win a championship. If you go about it the way he's saying, which is you build it over the course of a decade, I'll tell you what happens. It's great job security for him individually and for his front office, right? If you're in the playoffs every year, no owner, well, I shouldn't say that. Most owners aren't going to fire a guy who makes the playoffs every year. It's not going to happen. You may never go to the championship game, but you're getting all that playoff money at the end. You're getting all the merchandising from being in the playoffs at the end of the day. So the owner, he should be, or she should be, depending on who's on the team, should be making a bunch of money. So from that aspect, the owner is not going to fire that general manager. That general manager is going to catch heat from the fan base if they can't finish. That's that's where the problems lie, right? 
And that is something that I don't think people really think about when they make comments like this. That's a general manager of a team. And then we have Ross Tucker, who is a former NFL player. And both dudes, very, very good and very successful. No question. And their life goals and what they've accomplished and so forth. But I do think they misunderstand fans and how they look at it. And Ross Tucker said, well, I mean, some teams shouldn't even play. I agree. I don't know why the Pittsburgh Pirates play every year. I couldn't tell you. They have absolutely no chance. The Oakland Athletics, couldn't tell you, don't know, and they have five people going to their games. So I really have no idea why they're even suiting up and playing a game at this point. Yes, you want to build, and it's okay, right? So if you get on a run and you're in the playoffs five or six years and now this core group is getting older and now they're going to start hitting free agency and you're going to start losing some of these guys. It's okay to tell your fan base, hey, you know, we're going to have to do a little bit of a rebuild here, reload, whatever you want to call it to make the fans happy. And it's going to take a couple of years, but we're going to get back up and going again and we're going to make another run at this thing. I think fans understand that of, okay, they put it together, they made a run, couldn't get over the hump, we move. What Jerry DePoto is saying is, I'm not going to sacrifice my farm system to quote-unquote go for it on a given year. Not happening. Because my farm system feeds my major league roster. And if I'm going to continue with sustained success, all of this has to stay in order. You know, trade a couple prospects for a guy, sure, he'll do that. Is he going to give up five or six prospects or, or more to get Otani? Probably not going to happen. No, it's not happening. How about Mike Trout? Nope, probably not doing that either. Because he doesn't want to sacrifice his long-term future for the short-term. And you see it all the time. People going all in. The Rams, perfect example with McVay. They traded first-round picks from here to the end of time when they were making their run. They didn't care about the draft picks at the top or whatever the case may be. They were getting veterans to come into play to try and win a Super Bowl. That was the goal. Win a Super Bowl while we can, while that window is open. Now, they're having to reload and trying to get this thing going again in the right direction. You know, Which would you rather have? I- I've always said it. If I'm a fan of an organization and I've never seen my team win a championship or win a World Series... I'm all in about going for it, pushing all your chips in and win. If you tell me my favorite team wins a championship, right? But they're going to stink for the next five years after that. Or you're going to be in the playoffs for five years, but you're not going to win a championship. Well, give me the, give me the championship and I'll stink for five years after that. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I'm down with that. Because it's about that feeling of, You know, the Super Bowl parade or the World Series parade or the NBA championship parade and buying the gear that says your team's the best. There's something that comes along with that. Even as fans, we all have egos. Every human being has an ego, right? So now I get to tell all my buddies who are fans of other teams, we're the best, not you. There's something to that. There's that pride. And if you happen to live in the city of the team that you root for, even better, Because they've got the city on their chest, more than likely, of who you're rooting for. So it's, and I I love this too. I love when people tell me, Sparky, you can't say we, you don't play on the team. And I say, I can say we because you have the city marked across your chest, which means you're representing everybody every time you go into a baseball field or a basketball court or whatever the case may be. I have no problem with people that say we about their favorite team. Because they're that passionate and they're that into it. Doesn't bother me in the least. I know some some old people have a, a major issue with it. And I've went round and round with media relations people and everybody else uh, over the course of time about it. And I'm, I'm never going to stop. But that, to me, is, again, there's that connection, right? So do you want the fans to be connected and passionate uh, and want to come to games and talk about your product all the time when they're at work around the cooler or uh, they're out at the bar. You want them talking about you all the time. And hopefully you want them talking about how they expect you to win a championship or how they can't wait for you to win a championship. You don't want it to be, yeah, man, I've been in the playoffs last four years. I'm sure we'll go out early again this year. And then you do. And then what sets in? Then sets in, I'm not spending money to go back to more playoff games to just watch them lose. I'm not going to get all excited about the regular season when I know what's going to happen at the end. Then you get that type of stuff going on. And once that sets it, now you start talking about affecting ticket sales 
and everything else, merchandise buying, because, okay, you've been in the playoffs five or six years. You've won, I don't know, two, two wild card spots, three division titles. People are going to stop buying that stuff. You're going every year. I'm not going to keep buying a new shirt every year. I know how this is going to end. So you stop doing it. And you start to have fans that become irritated by the whole deal. And that is something that, to me at least, they've got to figure out. And it may not make sense to them because they forget what it's like to be a fan because they've been involved uh, you know, in the front office or playing for so long that they don't remember what it's like. At the end of the day, that's that's kind of what it is. Uh, and as it's been brought up uh, on this show uh, already, you know, I'm, I'm from Wisconsin. So look at the Milwaukee Brewers. They've been in the playoffs in 18, 19, 20, 21, and 23. That, my friends, is five of six years. They've not been to a World Series since 1982. They've never won a World Series. This Last six-year span is the most successful in Brewers history. And you want to know what is being said? Craig Council is in the last year of being a manager. My opinion, Craig Council is a great manager. This fan base for the Brewers, done. See you later. Good luck to you. And Matt Arnold, who just took over for David Stearns, who just took over the Mets GM job, fans done with him too. This is his first year. He just got the job. Done with him too. And that's how mad the fan base is. And they've been in the playoffs five of six years after being horrible for so long. And already this fan base is at that point of, I'm sick of watching this team get booted. Every year we get our hopes up and every year we get them destroyed. And I would assume to a degree, like say the St. Louis Cardinals, their fan base is probably similar uh, to that as well. The difference is they actually do win World Series every few years. So when DePoto says stuff like this and Ross Tucker says stuff about, oh, it can't all be about the Super Bowl, be happy to win a division and so forth. Sure, that's great if your team hasn't been good for a long time. But if your team shows sustained success over a course of time, how can you possibly look a fan in the eyes and say, don't raise your expectations, be complacent and just be happy with where you are? I don't get it, Connor. Yeah, it's, you want to avoid apathy setting into a fan base. That's, that's, the, that's a death blow. For a sports franchise, you know, because you can kind of see that it's happening down with the Rays right now in Tampa Bay. There's some other things going on with their attendance. I understand that, but they keep getting to the playoffs. They've made it many, many times. They keep making these runs. They had the best start in baseball, and they keep getting bounced in the first round. They keep getting bounced in the second round. They made a run a few years ago, but that's as far as they got. So it's like, how long, how much grace time does does a fan base is it, are they supposed to give? A team because I, I actually agree with you. I think that the goal needs to be winning a championship. I think the way that you can get away with, you know, a rebuild and things like that is you have to make the fan base know the plan. You have to give them the light at the end of the tunnel. For instance, the Grizzlies, when they first came to Memphis, you know, they've only been here 25 years or so, if even that. Um, you know, the goal was for them to build generational fandom is what they talked about a bunch. They needed, you know, not the adults at the time when they moved here in 2001 to be the fans. They needed their kids to be the fans so that their kids could be fans. And we've hit that point here. And when that was happening, there were a lot of years of just bad basketball here in Memphis. But then the grit and grind era started and you felt like you had a real shot. And the Grizzlies really went for it. They tried. They made moves. They went for it. They put a great team on the floor. We made it to the Western Conference Finals. But at some point, you hit a ceiling with that team. And to the credit of the Grizzlies' front office and the team, they let the fan base know, hey, we've got to stink for about two years, two or three years here, and then we can make a run. They gave us a lot at the end of the tunnel. They showed us the plan. They drafted Jaron Jackson Jr. They drafted Desmond Bain. They drafted Brandon Clark. They drafted John Morant, and we could see the vision. So, you know, night-by-night losses didn't bother us as much because we understood what the plan was. And now all of a sudden we're back to being a contender, but there are expectations this time around. And at some point, you know, making it to the playoffs every single year, it's great. You know, the Grizzlies are in the playoffs a whole bunch, from the G&G to now. There have been very few seasons where the Memphis Grizzlies have not been in the playoffs. But at some point, you want to win a title. And I actually agree with you. A point I was going to bring up was, would you trade five years of being bad for one championship at the end of it? And I think most fans would trade that. As a Boston Red Sox fan, that's my life. <laughs> they they are right. first to last, first to last, first to last. That's every single World Series that they had won the year before. They were quite literally in last place in the AL East. And I can tell you from experience, I would trade two or three bad seasons to get a World Series championship because, like you said, there's an ego as a fan that it feeds into it. But it's also the pride of being a fan of this team. You know what I mean? Like, I stuck by them in the bad times, and I made it to the mountaintop with them. So 
I don't understand a mindset of not having the goal to win it all as a sports franchise. That has to be the goal because if that's not the goal, your fan base has no other choice but to turn apathetic towards your program because they know it doesn't matter how much I invest my time into this. If they aren't investing their time into it, what's the point? Like, why should I invest my emotional, you know, all of this stuff into it if I know that the fan, that the that the front office and the team are just like, well, as long as we're making it, we're going to be fine. No, you got to win at some point. Expectations are a fair thing to have in sports. It's part of the business. The goal is to win a championship. Period. Yes. You know, bouncing back and having a great season after having a few losing seasons, that's great. But again, as long as that's part of the plan to win a championship ultimately. I mean, I, I think that most fans would trade a couple years of bad play for a championship. I don't think that's crazy at all. Uh, okay, so let, let's talk about one other thing. Okay. Let's say you're the Titans. You have Ryan Tannehill. I'm sorry. But if I'm Mike Vrabel... Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. If I am about winning a Super Bowl, and I have Derrick Henry, who's got a million miles on him at this point, then you get DeAndre Hopkins, and again, you got him for a relatively good deal if he has that much left in him, and I don't think he's the same player he was. So DeAndre Hopkins, okay, fine. And then you have Ryan Tannehill. In order to get a franchise quarterback that is going to be capable of being, you know, a top five quarterback in the NFL, which Ryan Tannehill is not, right? In order to compete with the the uh, the Patrick Mahomes, the Josh Allen's, those type of guys to be in that realm, you're going to have to probably get that person more than likely in the draft. Right. This upcoming draft is the draft with hopefully a couple of difference makers, and if not this year, next year. So you took a quarterback last year that you have sitting behind Ryan Tannehill. Now, we've seen, for like, say, the Packers, where they sit guys for three years. And there is no way I expect the Tennessee Titans to do that. But in football, specifically, more times than not, it takes a star quarterback to get you to a Super Bowl more times than not. Right? Now, it more now again, there are exceptions to the rule. Trent Dilfer and the Ravens. Okay, fine. You had, you know, maybe the <laughs> you best have to have an all-time ever. defense. Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. So maybe you have that. Brad Johnson and the Buccaneers. Again, an unbelievably good defense. If you have that and a good running game, like both of those two teams did, maybe you can do it. But the Titans aren't in that position, it doesn't no. appear to me, uh, at this point. So if somebody wanted a Ryan Tannehill at the trade deadline or before then, why not just make that move? Just get rid of them and get whatever you can for them at this point and see what these young guys have that are behind them for the rest of the season. And again, winning a division this year, what does that get you? Does it? What it doesn't get you anywhere. An early playoff go loss. Playoffs. Yeah, right. You're to get bounced, but as an organization, you can tell your fan base, "Oh, it's another year we were in the playoffs." Aren't you proud? Right. But but it, it, realistically, the fan base knows it's not going very far. Yeah, we can get there, and you've been in the playoffs, and you've you made your runs, and the window for this team and these veterans. It's closed, as far as I'm concerned. Well, like it's it's not going anywhere now. No, I, I totally agree with that. I've I've been very frustrated 
as a Titans supporter this season because there's no direction like we were talking about. There's no plan. They, they, they drafted you know Malik Willis. He didn't work out. They didn't think he was very good. So they drafted Will Levis, and apparently he's not good enough to get on the field. So what are we doing? Like what, What's the point of going, having a 500 season or going you know two games over 500? I, th- I personally think that Vrabel's the coach. I don't, don't get rid of Vrabel, but you've got to bottom out. You've got to bottom out. You have to figure out what this team is. You have to have a plan moving forward. Because doing this 500 play every single year keeps you in this purgatory. There's no goal at the end. To be quite honest, I would rather be the Houston Texans right now than the Tennessee Titans because the Texans have C.J. Stroud. They have all these, this young talent. They have a plan for the future. You can see what they're starting to build. When I look at the Titans, I see two quarterbacks that they drafted that they do not like and a third quarterback in Ryan Tannehill that can't get him over the hump. I see an aging Derrick Henry, who I love, one of my favorite players of all time, Derrick Henry. Watching him play has been an absolute pleasure. But this era is coming to an end, and they need to realize it's coming to an end, and they have got to start making plans for the future because just eight, nine wins every single year, ten wins every year, making it to the playoffs and getting bounced by the Chiefs or the Bengals over and over and over again, it's not going to get it done. Do you know how frustrating it is to get to the playoffs every single year and not have a quarterback to get to be able to get it done? It drives me insane. So at some point, you have to make a decision to go in a direction. If it's bad, just let the fan base know. Let them be a part of it. Let them be a part of the rebuild. Let them feel like they're playing inside baseball with you. That will make them support it. If they see a goal at the end and they understand, hey, we've got to bottom out for these one or two years, and then we're going to be good on the back end. They're going to you know, invest into this team. They're going to invest into these players, and they're going to invest into these prospects to try to turn this into something. And just right now, it feels like there's absolutely no plan. I don't understand it. They keep drafting cornerbacks. They cr- keep drafting quarterbacks they're they're, it's driving me nuts for years we've been like wide receiver you need a wide receiver and they're like well here's Julio Jones okay that would have been great five years ago well here's DeAndre Hopkins great that would have been great five years ago go get somebody young please please go get somebody young for the love of everything holy in football that's just it. I mean, e- even if you don't get the quarterback, right? Maybe Marvin Harrison Jr. slides to you if right. you end up at two or three. And now you got a stud wide receiver to put with whoever you decide to play a quarterback. And if you look at this division, listen, Jacksonville has their quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. Right. right. You know who that guy is. You brought up Houston and Stroud. That makes sense. And it appears the Colts have a guy in Richardson that's going to be a problem for a while as well. Now, who knows how much arm versus leg, but either way, he's going to be around for a while, and they have their future at quarterback. Is Levis that guy that they're going to have going forward? Is it Malik Willis? I don't know which one they're going to pick. But they need to make up their mind who it's going to be and get that process rolling and then give him the weapons at wide receiver and running back that will work in a modern offense in the NFL. Give him some speed at wide receiver. Give him an explosive, quick running back to go along with them as they all can kind of grow together over the next you know three to five years. And then, of course, that offensive line has to be in play too. I, I just sitting there here and... Talking about, oh, maybe they'll win nine games. Oh, maybe we'll get lucky and win ten. Okay, but then what? Uh, because then you, you're still in the same situation going into next year. Like, nothing got better. And, and if anything, at this point, I'd be up for trading Henry and trading uh, DeAndre Hopkins and trading Tannehill uh, and just saying, that's enough. We're getting picks. Uh, we're going to take a step back. Fine. It is what it is. Uh, but we have to start building for the future and just point to the division. There's three young quarterbacks in this division. They're getting ready to build and build around. And here we are still selling, uh, you know, hanging out with a bunch of senior citizens trying to play the game of football. You're going to get left behind eventually if you do not prepare for the future. If you can't yes. figure out who one of these young quarterbacks is. I, I, because I think two years ago, the Titans had a real shot to win the Super Bowl. I think that team was very, very good and they lost a tough playoff game. I get it. But at some point, you have to realize that this era is over, and you can't just rely on Derrick Henry. He has been phenomenal for the Tennessee Titans, one of the best players in franchise history, period. He can't carry the ball 30 times a game anymore. Like, that's just not what you're—you can't do. You have to find— he, he's been a safety blanket for the Titans' offense for so many years that they haven't had to go find that quarterback, and they've almost delayed it. And then drafting Malik Willis and Will Levis, they were like, here's kind of prospects, and everybody knew that they got overdrafted. Every single person knew it. When a fan base is having to talk themselves into a quarterback, it's not good. That's not a good thing. There's no excitement in the Tennessee fan base for Malik Willis or Will Levis, and that's a failure yeah. on the front office's part, period. 
No doubt about it. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk with Tom Kesnick. I've called him the godfather of fantasy football. I've been doing fantasy football segments with him for about 15 years. Uh, he is uh, one of the best that you're going to find uh, in the business. He runs all of these big, like, national high-end, big-money fantasy football leagues around the country. He does drafts in New York, does drafts in Vegas from the Bellagio every year. Big, big-money leagues. Uh, and he's coming up next right here on the Gabe Kuhn Show. See Sparky Pfeiffer filling in on 92.9 FM ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN with today's special guest host, Sparky Pfeiffer. All right, time to talk some fantasy football here on the Gabe Kuhn Show. Joining us now, a friend of mine. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Kasnick. He's the manager of High Stakes Fantasy Games for Sports Hub Games Network, and more importantly, a Sports Hall of Famer, a Fantasy Sports Hall of Famer. Tom Kesnick, what is a Fantasy Sports Hall of Famer, and where is it located? Well, it's uh, kind of a virtual kind of place, but uh, no, I was inducted into the uh, National Fantasy Baseball Championship Hall of Fame uh, a few years ago, so quite an honor, actually, uh, something I wasn't expecting, but it was a nice uh a nice honor all, all the same. So, uh, but uh, no, no actual facility. It's uh, just kind of something that, that uh, happens if uh, you're lucky enough to do this thing for a living uh, long enough, I guess. So tell everybody about some of these fantasy drafts that you hold and some of the money that's involved. I was bragging about how you do these big drafts at the Bellagio. You're in New York. You're all over the place doing these fantasy drafts. Yeah, we actually just uh, paid out our baseball winners today, actually, uh, for the National Fantasy Baseball Championship. And for our main event, for example, uh, the, the national champion uh, this year won $200,000 in the main <laughs> event. So, yeah, that's a nice nice little chunk of change that, uh, that he won. But, yeah, we'll, we paid well over several million dollars in prizes in, in total for all of our contests this year. But, yeah, we had entry fees that, that run up to uh, $20,000 in terms of the amount that you enter to, to get into a contest, but it starts as low as $25 all the way up to $20,000 entry fee. So it runs the gamut, but yeah, the, the main event in baseball pays $200,000 in football. It'll also pay uh, $200,000 for our, our highest entry, uh, our highest prize, I should say for, uh, for football this year. So yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. A lot of, a lot of contests, drafts, auctions, Best ball season long, all kinds of stuff. You're right. We we draft out in Las Vegas. We draft out in in New York. We draft online. All kinds of stuff going on. All sports: football, baseball, hockey, basketball. All kinds of great stuff. So, Connor, you and I next year split a twenty grand team. What do you think? Oh yeah, you're going to front all the money though. <laughs> no, we're going to split it, buddy. I mean, we're in this together. I'll pay you at the end of the season. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> at the end of the season. <laughs> uh, Tom, all right, let, let's get into this uh, because. There are so many different ways I want to go. I want to start with Justin Fields, if you don't mind, because Justin Fields okay. was a guy that I was told before the season was going to be this great play for fantasy and so forth. And I was like, okay, maybe because he runs the ball, but threw for over 200 yards twice last year. I'm not buying in on the Justin Fields type. My 16 year old drafted Justin Fields and then beat me with him last week. Uh, and had a lot of I told you so moments because that was like the best game Justin Fields has played all year to this point. Uh, what was your thoughts on Fields coming into the year versus where you're at now? Well, I did like him coming into the year because I, I certainly thought that what we saw at the end of last season, say the last you know couple of months or so, was going to carry over. I thought that the Bears would intelligently use him and build off that. But, of course, they didn't. They started the year trying to make him strictly a pocket passer, which makes absolutely no sense because that's not who he is. Now, we, we certainly – now, last week, of course, they played the Broncos, who are a terrible football team. We know that. But what you have to do with Justin Fields is make him uh, uh, not a pocket passer but use his strengths, and his strengths are rolling out, using his mobility, letting him throw on the run, which is what they did at the end of last season, and he became – a very effective, highly effective fantasy quarterback. Now, can he translate all of that into being successful at the NFL level? That's what we don't know. Now, we're not going to see that 
with the Bears this season because they are completely bereft of coaching intelligence. Matt Eberflus uh, gets the, all, all of this right now with the Bears. They're totally incapable of, of translating anything in terms of fields. I think it's a lost cause, and it may never happen with Justin Fields at the NFL level. It may just be completely gone. So the best you can hope for is maybe getting some fantasy success out of Justin Fields this season, but it's probably gone for Fields at the NFL level, which is unfortunate because he is a talented kid. You know, whether he can be a successful NFL quarterback, I don't know if he'll ever know. It's interesting because, you know, Dak Prescott uh, with the Cowboys and that Cowboys team, as always, have high expectations coming into the year. Uh, And I've been dealing with Dak Prescott on my team, and I literally went and picked up Sam Howell today and said, Dak Prescott, you're going to watch against the Niners. I'm going to play Howell against that crappy Bears team uh, coming up on Thursday night football, uh, which may be something that pays off for me. Maybe it backfires. Uh, But Dak Prescott, another guy that I'm sure a lot of people drafted, what are your thoughts on his performance to this so far? It hasn't been great. It hasn't been great. I I mean, I like Dak, but it's, it's been a struggle. Uh, they, you know, they got off to the great start, obviously, uh, against the bad football team as well. The Giants are, are just terrible, but it's been a struggle the last few weeks. I certainly don't think it's going to be good for them this coming Sunday night. The 49ers are probably the best team in football, certainly the best team in, in the NFC. Well, Buffalo is probably the best team in the AFC right now. Uh, it's going to be tough. I'm not expecting a lot out of them. Uh, the problem they have is they just don't have a lot, uh, opposite C.D. Lamb. I know Ferguson's emerging. I like what I'm seeing out of him, obviously, the former Badger. But they need a little more in the passing game. Uh, Michael Gallup's a good player, but I don't think he's a strong number two. He's more of a three. Brandon Cooks, who I've always liked a lot, I think he's declining. He's not a two. He's more of a three. So they really need a strong number two opposite Lamb, and they don't have that right now. So it's a struggle for Dak right now. So I, I don't have a problem with your Sam Hull play tonight. Of course, Thursday games can always be a little problematic. But honestly, this could low-key be, from a fantasy perspective, could be one of our better games of the week. Because anytime you put two bad defenses out there on the field, it could be fun for fantasy. Oh, no doubt about that. I see Chicago and Denver. Uh, Let's talk about uh, Derrick Henry uh, and and the Titans at this point. He hasn't been having a great year either. Finally busts out, had a good week last week. Would you consider selling Derrick Henry if you had him on your fantasy football team right now? Well, I wouldn't have have him on my team because I I wanted nothing to do with him. But, yeah, I mean, certainly if anybody will offer you something for Derrick Henry, I'd make the move because I do think we've reached the point and it was always kind of coming where that Derrick Henry fall off was going to happen. And I think we're kind of seeing it. I, first of all, I don't like their offense at all. I mean, I've never been a Tannehill guy, but they're not a team with a lot of talent offensively. They don't have much in the passing game and their offensive line's not very good. Again, Tannehill's not very good. And I think we're seeing the decline of Derrick Henry, which was inevitable, right? He's just had a lot of touches over the years. He's getting up there in age. They've got a younger Briar, more energetic running back behind them, behind him, excuse me, and in Tajay Spears, who I think needs to get a little more action there in the backfield. So yeah, if if you have Derrick Henry and someone's willing to pay you for the Derrick Henry name, I certainly would be listening. How about Josh Jacobs uh, for the Raiders? Their ground game has been non-existent, not good at all. But this week they get a Packers run defense that's putrid. Same type of thing. If somebody's willing, if if you can get him coming off a good game, which hasn't really happened yet, maybe it happens Monday night. Uh, yeah, I'd sell. I mean, I again, that's another guy who I wasn't in on this season because I just don't think the, the Raiders going to be any good, other than Devontae Adams, who's still great. Um, if somebody's willing to sell, buy uh, Josh Jacobs, I'd be willing to sell. Um, just a guy I wasn't excited to have. Um, I love Adams. I love Jacoby Myers. I mean, that's a guy who's really, really good and underrated. I don't know what the Patriots were thinking letting him go. But, yeah, other than those two, I I mean, I, I don't have a lot of interest in the Raiders. I think Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, is a screaming guy when the matchup's right. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, for example, the matchup was pretty good for him. But, yeah, I'm not – I mean, again, if if someone's willing to buy Josh Jacobs, and right now I don't think anybody is because he just hasn't been good – but 
if, for example, Monday night he goes off and has a good game and somebody's willing to buy, yeah, I'd be listening for that too. What about Jameer Gibbs? Uh, this is a guy that was a high yeah. draft pick in the first round for the Lions. I think everybody thought he was going to have himself a, a year with David yep. Montgomery, and it's been all Montgomery. And Austin Eckler just came out yesterday uh, and talked about how he thought Gibbs was tipping runs. I've never heard of that in the National Football League, but apparently it's a thing. Uh, what about Gibbs and his future on our roster? I thought Eckler's comments were really sharp. I mean, Austin Eckler, obviously a very smart guy, knows what he's talking about. Yeah, I mean, David Montgomery, first of all, I, I, mean, I talked about this on Twitter all off season. I, I, I'm surprised by what I'm seeing from Gibbs. I thought Gibbs would have a, a better role. But I was telling people, David Montgomery is going to have a role on this football team. He's a good running back. And I was like, you people who think Jameer Gibbs is going to walk in there and get 20, 25 touches, you're kidding yourselves. Montgomery's good. And he's showing that right now. Um, but I am surprised that Gibbs has been this much of a disappointment. So if I got Jameer Gibbs, and I do have Jameer Gibbs on one of one team that I really wanted, want to do well, he's on my bench this week. And even with Bye starting up, he's on my bench because you're looking at a guy who's pretty much putting up eight to 10 points a game, which just is not getting it done right now. So until I see more from Gibbs, which can happen because he is talented, the talent is there. But until the usage matches that talent, he's on my bench for now. Talk with Tom Kestnick. You follow him on Twitter at Tom Kestnick. I call him the godfather of fantasy football. Every year, uh, for as long as I can remember, you always advise me not to draft a bunch of rookies. And every year, I tend to still draft a bunch of rookies. Uh, JSN, I had him in, in Seattle uh, on my bench. Uh, he still hasn't done much of anything uh, to this point. B. John Robinson is a guy that has panned out. But other than Bijan, there haven't been a ton of rookies necessarily uh, who would necessarily have, have, I guess, stood out at the end of the day from that aspect. However, there is a guy that nobody knew about coming in uh, in Puka Nakua with the Rams that exploded onto the scene. And now they may get Cooper Cup back this week, which I think elevates Matt Stafford even more with Cooper Cup coming back. Yeah, no, Puka Nakua is looking really good. And, yeah, I, I love the matchup for the Rams, especially if they do get cut back, even if he's not 100%. It's a great matchup for the Rams passing game because the Eagles' secondary it just isn't good. I mean, it hasn't been good all season. Go back to week one, the Patriot passing game lit them up, and that's not a good passing game, right? Their wide receivers aren't very good. Their quarterback's not very good. And they were dropping dimes on the Eagles in week one. So now you flash forward to this week and maybe Cup comes back. Is- we get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. There, Higby, a little bit of Tutu Atwell. I mean, Matt Stafford's looking really, really good. Now, I think the Eagles are going to win the football game, but I think the, the Rams can put up some numbers here. And Stafford, I think, is looking good. I mean, Nakua's obviously looking good. Even if Cup is 75 80% and playing on a snap count, which I think may happen, he could still put up 15, maybe even 20 points in PPR and have himself a really nice football day because, again, that Eagles secondary is not good. I mean, look what Michael Wilson did to them this past Sunday for the Cardinals. I mean, again, that's a bad secondary. I think that's going to be a very high-scoring game. I'll give you another rookie that uh, it has done well, and I liked him coming out of college, so don't get me wrong on that. I just didn't think he'd kind of be the focal point of the offense, and that's Sam Laporta for the Lions. The yeah, no, I liked it. I liked him a lot. Again, that Lions team is really good. I mean, that's not a fluke what they did to the Packers. They, I mean, they, they put a hurt on the Packers. They're, they're a good football team. Their defense is better than it was. It really got better at last season. As the season went on, they were a better defensive team by the end of the year than they were early in the year. Offensively, we know how good they are. Up front, that offensive line is as good as anybody in the NFL. Their skill positions, they're, they're loaded and the skill positions, Jared Goff is a good, not great, but good quarterback. And Sam Laporta, yeah, I mean, they, I mean, you know how good Hawkinson was, 
and they, they're he's right there. I mean, he's as good as Hawkinson was. So, I mean, they trade him away, and then a year later, they pretty much filled that hole. And no, they're loaded. I mean, I love the Lions, and Laporta is really, really good. I mean, look at, I mean, that Iowa. I mean, they're they're a farm system at tight end, right? Yeah, they are, uh, and they've made it work. And uh, obviously, uh, it's working well in Detroit for them. I, I, the one team that I think is frustrating to a lot of fantasy owners and probably to the fans of that team are the Atlanta Falcons because Pitts has huge uh-huh. talent, uh, not really utilized all that much. Drake London has huge talent, uh, yep. and n- they can't seem to get him the ball consistently. And you're going with Desmond Ritter, who started four games last year and now a few games this year, and fans are already talking to replace him with Taylor Heineke. They've already run out of patience with him. Uh, you do have Bijan and Algier at running back that can get you some fancy points, more Bijan than Algier. But are there certain teams where just overall you just kind of stay away from most of the guys? Like the Giants would be another team, I would think. Yeah, no, the Giants are terrible. I mean, I, I think the problem with Atlanta, first of all, I don't think Arthur Smith's a very good head coach. I got, I've had problems with him pretty much all of last season and this season. Desmond Ritter is just terrible. I mean, that's the problem there. He's just awful. You watch him play and – I mean, Kyle Pitts is open. I mean, he's open all the time. And Ritter just can't complete passes to him. I mean, it's just, it's, it's embarrassing. I mean, how badly he misses Kyle Pitts on open completion, what should be completions. And, I mean, London just can't, they can't throw the ball to him. I mean, it's, it's, it's embarrassing. And, I mean, that's not Arthur Smith's fault. I mean, that Ritter's so bad, but Smith is not a creative head coach. So that's a problem, and I think Ritter may not make it through this Sunday's game. I mean, if he's as bad by halftime as he's been, say the last you know game, two games or so, they're going to have to go to Heineke. I mean, Heineke's certainly not great. He's a poor man, Sam Howell, basically. But I think they've got Heineke there, and Heineke can at least complete passes. And he's certainly not afraid to throw the ball. He's not afraid to, you know chances and, and drive the ball downfield, which is what they need when they've got guys like London and Pitts who can get open downfield. So I think we will see Taylor Heineke sooner rather than later, and that's important. So if you've got London, I mean, Pitts, you can't start Pitts. I mean, maybe you can still throw London out there, but hang on to London. I, I don't know what you do with Pitts at this point, but I would say hang on to Drake London because I do think we see Taylor Heineke soon, and that I think will help Drake London. The Jets, they're stuck with Zach Wilson. They seem to be happy to be stuck with Zach Wilson. He had his best game of the year this last week with Aaron Rodgers on the sidelines. I think that it's safe to say Delvin Cook is done, though, because this week they've come out and said Brees Hall, pitch count is done. They're just going to play the heck out of him, and Delvin Cook has not looked good in the time he's had. No, he he was declining in a big way last season. I know some numbers looked okay, but sometimes the eye test, tells you all you need to know. And if you watch Delvin, and I'm a big Delvin guy. I have been my his entire career. I wanted the Packers to draft him the year he came out. Um, I'm, again, I'm a big fan. But if you watched him last season, it was clear that he was declining in a big, big way. And it's over. It's done. I mean, when a running back is done, he's done. I remember watching Eddie George the year it was over for him. And the year before, he was really good. Is in, when he was still in Tennessee. The next year for Eddie George, it was done. And it was like really done. And it's the same with Delvin Cook right now. It's done. And I'm glad they're taking the training wheels off Brees Hall. And it certainly comes at a great time facing the Broncos, of course. We know how bad their defense is. Yeah, it's it's Brees Hall's time now. And with Delvin, they may just they might as well just bury him on the bench and let Michael Carter be the backup there because it's over. I hear you. I agree with you. But now another name pops into my brain about are they done, mainly because they can't stay healthy or he can't stay healthy, and that's Saquon Barkley with a bad offensive line and a bad quarterback. Well, I don't I don't know if he's done, done, but, the, yeah, the injuries sometimes with guys, they just can't stay healthy. And, again, that, that, that ankle and the, report, the reports I was reading today that he didn't look good in practice. And, again, high ankle sprains are, are nasty. I mean, those things – sometimes they, they can knock you down for a month. I mean, five weeks. I mean, you know, guys don't bounce back quickly. I mean, Eckler, you know, he's he's been dealing with his for almost a month now. So, yeah, I mean, Barkley's just been a guy who's dealt with injuries for a long time, and, and it's problematic. And 
you know, as badly as I want to see these top running backs get paid, he's a tricky one for the Giants because he's not been able to stay healthy, and he's had problems with injuries. And when he gets hurt, he's not a guy who bounces back quickly, and he's a guy who struggles with production when he's, when he's been hurt. So he's a tougher one when it comes to contracts, and the Giants got a real tough decision with him. Let's talk about one more last question here, and that is Jonathan Taylor, uh, who's been away, says he's going to play, says he still wants to be traded, essentially, but I'm here now, so let's go see what we can get get done. Got a rookie quarterback in in Richardson that's shown flashes uh, in the time he's been out there when he hasn't been out with concussion protocol. Uh, What kind of stock do you put in a Jonathan Taylor the rest of the year? Well, it's a brutal matchup this week. I mean, Tennessee's run defense is as good, if not better, than anybody in the NFL. They're legit. I mean, so if you've been waiting on Taylor, this probably isn't the week to run him back into your lineup because that's good. That that run defense, they swallow up everybody. So keep him out this week. But, look, if Zach Moss has been doing what he's been doing, Jonathan Taylor is about a million times better than Zach Moss, okay? So if – you like what you've been seeing out of Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor is completely healthy and he gets back into that offense, you got to feel pretty darn good about Jonathan Taylor in that offense. Now, we don't know how long he'll be in that offense. Maybe they do trade him. Maybe they don't. But if he's there and he gets back in there, i gotta, I got to look at that and go, he could be a top three, top five running back the rest of the way because Zach Moss, Looks like freaking Jim Brown in that offense right now. I mean, and I don't know where that's coming from because that doesn't look like the Zach Moss who played in Buffalo the last few years. I, I don't know. I don't know what's gotten into that guy, but he looks fantastic. And Jonathan Taylor is about ten times the running back Zach Moss is. No doubt, he is Tom Kessing, the Godfather of fantasy football. Follow him on Twitter at Tom Kessing, manager of high stakes fantasy games for the Sports Hub Games Network, and of course, a fantasy sports Hall of Famer. Tom, thank you so much for coming on, man. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks, man. You bet you take care. It is the Game Coon Show. Steve Sparky Pfeiffer here filling in for him. Coming up next, it's 5 o'clock. Jeff Calkins joins us here on 92.9 FM ESPN. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.